The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 91 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and joining me tonight is Fish Sticks in a different room. Yes. Yes. The same house, different room. <laughs> nice, nice. We, we can't prove it's the same house. Actually. <laughs> we have no, nothing but your room. We're going on a tour, right. ZP. That's right. right. And we've got Forehead no, ZP over there. Like, uh, what's up? <laughs> a little bit bigger. Not in your room, of course. <laughs> I'm also not in the same room, so... <laughs> Yeah, screw all the old rooms. They're not needed. <laughs> you, you're uh, you're just getting off a road trip. Yeah. ZP, where where are you located now, ZP? It's a mystery now, isn't it? Oh, oh is it? Yes. I don't know. He's living I've with been me. Seeing your face uh, in more places than uh, I'm used to. <laughs> well, that's just a funny coincidence. That's <laughs> just. <laughs> Okay, we're right. finding out little tidbits of details as as we go. But we got a special guest tonight, first timer on the show. Uh, we've got Dogman on the show. Welcome. For those of you who don't know Dogman, I mean, you haven't been following obviously Overwatch for a while. He's a uh, he's the host of the Ultimate Advantage, which uh, is another podcast, a rival uh, podcast. Yes, we as well as a rival pro- podcast. Yeah, rival podcast, right? As oh, well as uh, also a pro player, support player, uh, really good, and maybe you remember him from Kangarna and other teams, other like uh, you know other teams too. But he'll be talking about his current situation soon. But anyways, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Chan, man. I'm I'm happy to be here, dude. It's been it's been a while that I've been a fan of this podcast. I mean, you guys yeah. were like an inspiration for my podcast. So yeah, thanks. yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, well, you know, given give that year of the dog, I felt like you know we, we have to have Dogman on the show. It's just like totally right, you know, for the year of the dog. Yeah, I know. <laughs> have you ever Sign considered it. going on stream in a dog suit? Yeah, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna pull a Mendo and and do that though. But maybe like I was thinking about it. Me and me and Mendo actually had a thing where we were at BlizzCon, both gonna dress up in like a cat in a dog suit or something. It was. I I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not, not a furry ZP. I'm dude. not a furry. I don't know, man. <laughs> IRL you've named yourself dog man. You consider wait wait. You've named yourself dog man. You don't consider that people might think you're a furry. Like no, I do, and that's why I have to deny it every time somebody brings it up. I have to say oh, no. I'm not God. a furry. You stop saying it. But you would Mendo have more is. positive branding if you just ran with it. You should just say yes. I am a furry, and you'd have yes. all these crazy fans no, I can't. after that. Yeah. I can't give in that easily. <laughs> Give it a like, year. Maybe I, I'll change well, my I mind. I picked the name Proud Furry because I think someone already has it as a Twitch y- name. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sadly enough. That's true. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We haven't done the show in a couple weeks. So, you know, we've got week three, week four of Overwatch League, and obviously um, just previewing the next week, week five, and the end of stage one. But lots of news going on. I mentioned Year of the Dog, developer update, talking about CTF, new map. We'll, we'll touch more on that. Obviously, get some update here from Dogman. What's going on there? Maybe some. I don't know some details of contenders, or just uh, maybe just in general your opinions on the the uh, changes to Mercy and just what's going on in the support uh, heroes right now. Uh, also, beat obviously just finished with ZP uh, casting the event, so we can get the lowdown from ZP there. Uh, looks That's like the uh, seven going to the seventh map. 
not long enough. He's like, not long he, enough. He, he's talking longer. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, bad things happen. That's right. And then, then we've got news from all across the board, all a bunch of different team news as well as uh, uh, some social media challenges and just lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, Q&A. Don't have any questions you know, from an email standpoint this week. Nobody emailed them in. If, you, if you're interested, go and email those questions to the overview at shamanv.tv. But we might take some Twitch chat uh, questions if we've got some time at the end. Uh, but why don't we start off with uh, talking to Dogman, kind of catching up with you, man. You know, you kind of been, I think, out of the, the scene for a little bit, or at least, the you know, just not doing ultimate advantage and kind of obviously honing your skills and everything. So uh, what you been up to? Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. I mean, I told you before um, when we were talking over Discord, it's just I, I pretty much have, uh, I mean, I've been streaming every now and again, but at the same time, it's just, for me, I, I've been focusing on my team and focusing on winning contenders. So that, to me, that, that means not having input lag when I stream, not make, or making sure I have the best um, consistent performances outside of scrims so I can continually improve my skills and work on becoming the best contenders team. And then, you know, from there, move into Al, hopefully. But yeah. That's about it. But yeah, I can't really disclose much on my team just yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? As no, you know. <laughs> no leaks or anything right now? No leaks. No leaks. Because <laughs> even, even that's not settled yet. So. Yeah. But. So just, at least being in, in the contenders, you know, or, or just uh, environment, like, how, how, do you, how do you feel about contenders? Like, what's the general feeling with all the players and contenders right now? Mm, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, I think for the most part, there's a lot of very good players in NA contenders, but at the same time, towards the latter half of like where you think the the skill like ceiling is or the skill gap is between you know the top of contenders and then maybe towards the the bottom half, I think that it, there's a pretty steep drop off right now. Um, and I think a lot of people in contenders can agree that there's kind of a a dry um, the the talent pool is kind of drying up. It feels like for NA contenders and maybe even Korean uh, players coming over into NA contenders and competing. It just seems to be that a lot of the talent is kind of lopsided, I guess, right now. Well, I would just say is that is that an issue of NA talent drying up, which I don't necessarily think is the case. I think you have new players playing every day. You clearly mm -hmm. have young players coming up that haven't seen before. But NA right now is kind of a unique spot where. I would say right now it's very clearly – I think Contenders Korea has kind of its own standpoint, which we can touch on later. But NA Contenders is drawing top talent from both Korea and EU right now. So is it really that you have NA talent drying up, or is it that NA talent has to compete with some of the best from EU and some of the best from Korea, where you have players like Who Are You coming over? You have players like Grey coming over. You're drawing like these top talents – from regions that normally would have stayed in their own regions, and it makes NA more competitive. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure, but at the same time, like, for a lot of these, um, at least for my position, I can go on just talking about my position for Support Flex. If I were to, uh, like, give give a couple names, at least in NA, that I would think that are some top Support Flex players that maybe you guys have never heard of, like, you saw today, Crimzo. Crimzo's a very good Support Flex player. He looked awesome. Yeah, Crimson is very good, and then you have um, obviously Rulf, you have people like Goliath, which you haven't seen since EG, he's a very good sport flex. Then you have players like Hakume, you still, did I mention Rulf already? I mean, Rulf is yes. already <laughs> probably the top of yeah. the sport flexes in the tier 2 scene from what is known, um, but a lot of the support flexes besides there, there's kind of a steep drop-off between 
like let's say um who who would be the last person i said on the list maybe like crimzo and probably the next best support flex so it's weird, but I mean, I guess that's still a large chunk of people that are still any players. You've named off enough players to fill a gigantic chunk of contenders' teams. At least, yeah. For the record. At least the man, like half the man. And, and, <laughs> and we're, this is cutting through, and for the record, this is cutting through the understandable pro player bias where you're going to be, I think these players are shit that might not actually be shit, but you just think they're shit because you're a pro player, and that's how you have to think when you're a pro player. So yeah. just bearing in mind, I think you're mm-hmm. underrating the amount of players that actually are in NA to a degree. Yeah, no, I, I probably am. I mean, oh, sorry to interrupt you, Chan Man, but no, basically, no. I, I've, I, for, for what you're saying, I, I do see like I had that mindset for quite a while, which is thinking that pretty much every other support flex that isn't like Wolf is is pretty shit. So like I had that yeah, mindset exactly. for a really long time until maybe even a month ago, where I started realizing, hey, maybe these guys are like good competition, and I should probably start start taking them seriously. Otherwise, I'll lose my job. Right. So. Mm-hmm. How's the support in contenders? Like, are these contracts that people are signing? I mean, are they decent? I mean, enough to live on for you know, like the at least one season of OWL and waiting, you know, waiting to be picked up, or uh, you yeah. still think they're pretty low? I think I think short answer yes. I think for sure. Um, I don't think I can disclose too much about them, yeah. but it's definitely sustainable. Um, at least for the people in the academy. I don't. I don't know about below them, but I'm pretty sure Envision's doing well, and every other academy team is going to be around that level or maybe even a little bit lower, but still sustainable. So, so let me ask you this. This is sort of perspective here because I know the scene kind of – it's a roller coaster, or right, where it's like doom and gloom, then yay, then doom and gloom, and then yay. Obviously, when OWL came out, you sort of had – the tier 2C just sort of screaming, going, it's the end of the world, I'm on OWL, you know, find the nearest cliff and throw yourself off it. <laughs> uh, because because you did have endemic, you did have endemic oh, that, that <laughs> But you take, you just, you're mentioning the support you're getting now. Do you, would you say that the mood has definitely cheered up on the tier 2C in the last few months as people realized, wait, it's fine if you have, you know, say a team like FaZe stepping back because you have all these other new orgs and these OWL support coming in? Uh, I want to say yes, but at the same time, there's like a weird um, situation where the academy teams really want to build rosters of their own. So a lot of the already pre-made teams that had success weren't able to go on together into contenders. I'm pretty sure most of the tier two teams being picked up by academy teams aren't the same team they were before, and that's but, kind of a shame. But isn't that a good thing? Because if you look at the teams that were more pre-made than others going into OWL, they haven't actually done well. You have Mayhem, which was a mostly pre-made team. You have Fuel, which had one of the strongest cores going in. They've had trouble. The best teams now, I mean, sure, you have uh, some exceptions when you look at London, but overall, teams that have really surprised an owl have generally been teams that were like throw together mixes to it. Well, London wasn't real. I mean, London's been yeah. a mixture of two yeah. teams, so that I wouldn't even yeah. say London is one of those teams. But what's yeah. funny is like we had the impression that the pre-made teams would do super well in season one, and it's At least been the beginning, yeah. yeah, it's been completely the opposite. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I think like mixing up the teams from where they were, I think the players might be upset, but it's generally made stronger teams. Yeah, I can. What the the counter argument to that I think would be that I don't. There's not as much investment into the contender scene, and I think that the like the the talent pool, like we were talking about earlier, is kind of there. But at the same time, like from the inside, like from looking inside, from as those teams, you want to have the team that has the best synergy and already from from my POV as a player has the best teamwork going into season two of contenders. So 
Um, but I mean, I can see your point too. It's just a matter of I don't think there's as much investment into the tier two scene as there is Al. I mean, in the end, you are going to be looked at as an individual, right? Like if you're going to be picked up, you're not going to be picked up as a team or, I mean, not even close to a team. I mean, so I hate to put it that way, but you know, it's kind of anti what Overwatch has always been in terms of you know making teams and finding you know finding a group of guys that you want to play with and that sort of thing. But that's the reality, right? Like only one of you guys can probably make it into the league, just statistically. So, yeah, I've crazy. Uh, sorry, Chainman, to touch on the, to, I guess, leave a final note. I mean, I've been, I've been pretty much off that um, old school like mentality of stick with the same team throughout your entire you know career. Like I play with Kangarna for that was like my first, or not my first, that was like my second like top tier team that I played with. And I genuinely thought those guys were going to go into Overwatch League with me. I thought that I was going to get an Overwatch League with Bishu, with Remix, with Baby Bay, with Michael, with uh, Pooks. Um, and then obviously, because I even turned down like uh, a, at least one OWL offer, I'll, I'll say that, like to, to continue on with Kangarna and to make sure that oh. we got into Overwatch League together. But <laughs> it's, it, it obviously doesn't work out that way. But that mindset is pretty, has been detrimental to, you know, my my progress i think but at the same time i think it's worth maintaining that ideology just like having that yeah. loyalty to your team yeah but, i mean well, i wouldn't I'll, say so, it's a bad thing i mean showing that you're a good teammate is is definitely a good quality too that people want you bring up a good question here though which is that going forward do you think play, like that players have sort of seen the label and Al and how very few teams that were together were picked up and the teams that were have generally had a great deal of issue if someone walks up to you mid contenders which is very possible uh, there it will be in the middle of the signing window in the beginning goes actually we want to put you on a team are you going to sit there and haggle and go i want to bring my teammates on or are you going to accept the contract and you don't even have to answer for yourself what do you think the average player response is going to be if you want to sort of take yourself out of it i i mean yeah obviously the average player is going to say yes i mean i guess it's a uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm in a different circumstance. I can't say anything otherwise. The average player is going to say, yeah. Okay, uh, well, you know, kind of moving a little, you know, just kind of to our next point here. Uh, you know, we've obviously had a shakeup in support, you know, like, and it's still pretty recent, to be honest. I don't think we've necessarily seen uh, what will eventually be the the play rates for everything, but we have a, seen a significant change in terms of, you know, how much Mercy's been played and even how much Moira's been played. What's your take on all this? Like, well, where do you think Mercy's playable now, if she's even playable, and where do you see some of the other supports being played? Um, I mean, to start off, Mercy's still relatively playable, I think. Mm -hmm. um, not, obviously not to the degree where <laughs> she was before being played every map. I mean, besides you could say maybe like control center on Lejong, I think you could probably throw in, you know, a Moira Lucio back then, but um, pretty much she's only viable on maps where Fair Mercy is still viable. Um, mm -hmm. Like control center garden, maybe you could still run her on, uh, on night market um, when you want to play like outside and just play like a pokey comp. Um, but for the most part, it's a lot of Zen Lucio, it seems, or Lucio Moira, or even Moira Zen on like first point defenses or something like that. So you're saying you have three supports that work together interchangeably? You don't have one support just outright dominating the meta? <laughs> yeah, oh I my mean, goodness. it's like a revelation. It's crazy. This is incredible. <laughs> of course, we did see a little, uh, quite a bit of that at the Invitational, but good lord, this is healthy for the game, isn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, before before this, I think, well, to even touch on, like, a meta that was passed was the Lucio meta, right? I mean, we look at players yeah. that, 
I'm not, I won't name any names, but Lucio players that were literally only known for Lucio and probably couldn't play any other hero to a high level. It's like you, you favor more flex, flexible players, and that's obviously a good thing. But in the past, a lot of people were favoring Lucio's because Lucio was in meta for so long. So you look at some like OWL teams, there's some like Lucio one tricks that are on some teams and that are like benched permanently pretty much. Hmm, I can think of some people <laughs> yeah. that fit that description. Fit that description that there's a few people who, because they don't have anyone else to play support the roster, that have had to play Mercy while really desperately wishing to play Lucio. Yeah. So what do you yeah. what do you play in these days, Dogman? Like what are you what are you maining more mostly? Is Ana viable also? Good another side question. It's still yeah. I think that's still up for debate, but most likely no. She's not uh, I mean, oh. I've seen some teams in scrimmages. I mean, you obviously saw it in... Uh, I'm pretty sure you saw it in Beat, right, CP? You did, and uh, it was actually used pretty well on King's Row. Uh, generally, I thought we'd see Ana more in situations like First Point Gibraltar, but of course Gibraltar wasn't played in the tournament. But mm -hmm. First Point King's Row it actually worked out pretty well just because there's a lot of natural areas for Ana to get back into. And you even actually saw a return of nano-boosted Ryan working out well because uh, teams in this tournament in particular were really going out of their way to focus tanks, and can't really do that when Ryan has a nano boost. So whether or not it was optimal is probably up for debate, but teams were making it work for sure. I will I will say um, when when playing against that, because I'm more of a favorite towards uh, so far with Lucio Moira and stuff like that, mm -hmm. or even Lucio, or sorry, Zen Moira. Um, but I, I think that when playing against the like Lucio Ana composition on KR, it just generally feels weaker than Moira just because Moira has so much sustainability compared to Ana. And I feel like Anna's kit really can't be utilized for what it is, right? You have the sleep dart, but if you're against a Reinhardt in the and you're in the streets phase of King's Row, like the streets are so narrow that you'll never get like a good sleep dart off unless you like maybe predict the Rhine Shield going down, but even then there's Zarya bubble that can prevent it from happening. It's just I, I think that Moira Lucio is seemingly more effective and it feels more effective. Um, but obviously you have outliers. So I, I want to sort of bring this up here because we brought it up mid-cast, but I think it's just you know sort of good to reinforce to people is, what do you think about Moira on maps with high verticality relative to running, say, Lucio Zen, your Dorados of the world, where obviously you're going to see a lot of Moira on, say, Control Center, King's Row, etc. But go to Dorado. Do you like running Moira there at least uh, until third point? Uh, I mean, realistically, unless you're playing a bad team, uh, for the most part, it's not going to be that effective, I think. Um, I mean, for the most part, dive is still very viable, and especially Lucio Zen against the Moira composition. You can just get poked down, waste or force out cooldowns from the Moira team, and then you can just go in and based off of who doesn't have cooldowns and just melt them immediately. So just to force out even more specific answer, maps with high verticality, Dorado, Gibraltar, anything with like really long sight lines, you don't really want to run the Moira right now. For the most part, I yeah, uh, I, I think that. So far in beat, we've seen that as well, right? I mean, yeah. Moira yeah. just isn't good on those maps. Yeah. Um, so obviously, a lot of a lot has changed in the support meta, which supports are are being picked and when. But how does this affect the rest of the uh, of what you're seeing team comp wise? And I'll, I'll pose this question to ZP as well, since you just finished casting the beat Invitational, got a chance to see a lot of it. But to I guess to both of you guys, uh, there's a lot of rumors of. Oh my God! It's triple tank. It's quad tank. We're we're gonna be dominated by the by the tank meta again. I didn't really buy that. I am not really seeing it. Uh, what are we seeing comp wise that's changed outside of even the, specifically just the support pick? 
I mean, you've seen people trying them on triple tank and quad tank at points. I think the probably most dominant showing of quad tank was sort of the niche strategy of grabbing four tanks on first point Nubis, but I'm not really convinced that's out of the realm of gimmick strategy and might just mm. be catching people off guard. I mean, we'll see. It very well could be the standard well, going forward. But... Sorry, can I interrupt you real quick, ZP? Yeah, sure. Uh, there was actually uh, a comp. I know it's still maybe maybe it's gimmicky to you, of course, like you said. But to on on, on Ubis first point uh, with Toronto Esports, we always ran uh, a Lucio Reaper comp with with double tank, and we would just literally speed to point and bait people to point. I mean, yes, you could say it's like a lower tier team and it would ca catch them off guard, but like those like Lucio more. I mean, it's not quad tank, but I think that the Reaper composition is at least fitting into the meta somewhat, or at oh. least was even in last meta. I agree. But, I think. Reaper definitely has a place. I was just pointing here in terms of like what's been used with quad tank is that that's probably the mm -hmm. most compelling take. We did see multiple versions of triple tank where you'd run like a Roadhog with uh, mm -hmm. Diva Winston or uh, Zarya Reinhardt and all the rest, but it never really felt like it was overpowering when it went up against opposing 2-2-2 compositions. There were still plenty of times where it was Tracer and Junkrat able to rip things uh, wide open. Junkrat in particular, too, because anytime you saw a team run triple tank, if it was going up against a Junkrat, then you had a case where, well, you're, you might be healing up the tanks, but you're feeding a lot of tires. So it, it was an interesting back and forth. I, I would say that if you compare triple tank now to sort of the first time we saw it, it doesn't feel anywhere near as oppressive, and it does feel like teams have many options, and many teams opted not to use triple tank at any point. Mm -hmm. Are any other changes? Uh, I mean, obviously, you probably see a little bit less Farah, given that you know less less mercy viability. But anything else? Maybe not. Uh, I would just <laughs> say that I, I would just say. The Junkrat nerf was probably the mark of a very good nerf because you mm. have made the character or substantially weaker at range, and yet we still saw a lot of Junkrat, and he was still very effective, which means that you took away a bit, but he's still working. Probably the, a good change. The good Junkrats are still good. <laughs> yeah, it's the. I yeah. mean, it's it's the same off that tangent. What ZP said, I think it, it applies to the Fair Mercy, like you said, Fish Dicks, Where Fair Mercy, I mean, wherever you see a Fair, you'll definitely see a Mercy. I feel like still. So even though she's not that great of a hero she works so well with farah that she just like you need to run farah mercy if you're gonna run farah mercy or yeah. run farah and personally i think the way mercy's kit is where she just doesn't involve the same level of mechanical outplay that other heroes do where it's more focused on positional play but other supports have that and more i think it's actually kind of a perfect spot for mercy to be in the niche pick where you use her with farah but you don't want to use her yeah. for everything i think that's a very healthy spot for her in the game yeah Still, they could still figure out some more things with her, though. But for at least the time being, yeah, at least she's still used. I mean, I, I was somebody that kind of liked. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm a little oh bit an outlier here. here we go. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Hold on. Listen to me. No, not that. Mike. I'm not that. Fuck the haters. No, it's it's only the only reason is because it was kind of a different. It, it helped me improve as a player. I will say, like, even though the Fair Mercy meta did suck you know, a lot of balls. It was, like, not <laughs> that bad of a meta, only because of the fact that I, I kind of like playing Mercy. I kind of like learning this new hero, because I, before then, wasn't much of a, I don't know, a cerebral player when it comes to generally thinking about the game and while I'm playing. Whereas Mercy, I feel like you have to be smart where, where you go when you're healing. Obviously, in a, in a pro game, it's still going to be boring to watch, but I feel like she did have some interesting mechanics mm -hmm. to her that, yeah. were, that made her interesting to learn. 
Yeah, but, positioning and yeah, 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 I know what you mean. It, besides that, yeah. yeah, very, very different type of uh, uh, hero, and th that's the one unique thing about Overwatch, right? We have these these type of uh, roles that are completely different than any any FPS. Um, so, kind of moving on. So, beat. We, we obviously talked a lot about beat, or just at least referenced beat quite a bit when talking about the meta. Um, just kind of covering it, given that it just ended. Uh, you know, everybody, ZP, you know, Dogman. Fish sticks. Um, any surprises? Anything that really stood out to you about the tournament? Zachary is good. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I know that you sounds brutal, but, but, but it's also very complimentary of him. He used to be very not good with renegades. He was probably the player I point to most, going, "I don't know what's going on." <laughs> but the change of scenery for him, being out of a Detroit team house has done him wonders, and he played very well for the Fusion. Well done, Zachary. Yeah, I think I think Zach's a, a player that's made the transition over to Tracer very well. He's a uh, He was traditionally a, a Genji player um, and didn't really have too much outside of that, besides maybe Doomfist, but I think it's a lot like Jaru. Like, you could point out, if, if you point out Zachary, I think you could point out Jaru, too. I think Jaru's made the transition from being a Genji player, and yes, he was a good player, um, but he also had to make an entire, pretty much an entire like role change because it's hit scan. It's not. I mean, yes, it's a different type of hit scan. It more relies off your movement. But um, I think Jaru and specifically Zachary, like you pointed out, are pretty decent players, but kind of fall off towards the later end of series as a Zen player. Like if you to 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 tap on that point, I guess is that when you're playing a, a good tracer player, they usually don't fall off or, or kind of change up their strategies toward the end of series. But I feel like. Um, a player like Zachary is good and strong at the beginning, but once you kill him a couple times, he kind of starts to screw up his movement, and it's a little bit easier to understand, I feel like. But that's kind of more, like, specific. So, uh, in the end, it was Fusion University taking the tournament. Um, spoilers, sorry. Should have said that before. Uh, Fusion <laughs> yeah, wow. University took it over in Vision, but ZP, this was an insanely close set, went to the seventh map in a best of seven, Casting marathon for you and Jason Kaplan. Uh, Envision looked better than I was personally expecting. I think I think you guys mentioned it as well in the cast. Um, talk about that grand finals and like any if maybe there are some other teams that stood out to you during the tournament. Uh, I mean, certainly Chicken Ranch Pizza looked very good. Where I think when you look at their performance, you sort of have to take into account that that's a team where they had several key players playing on EU ping and. I'm curious to see their potential going forward, uh, just seeing what happens uh, if they're able to get to a situation where everyone's playing with good ping, which if they're picked up by a contender's org, you would think would happen. Uh, no Clout definitely surprised me. That's a team that came out of Open Division, I believe, and I think they're like 9-1 right now in the Open Division. Uh, they looked very solid, particularly their tank play. I think Hawk is someone that if I were managing an OWL roster, I would have my eyes on because in an era where... You don't have that many great flex takes available. He seemed very promising. And then even uh, teams like the Savages, a team that had a lot of success in uh, the previous season of Overwatch Open, uh, his tracer play was very good. And I'm sure, you know, just, you know, breezing through and going to bigger highlights, but there was talent that came out here. And it wasn't just old players playing like they were new. It was new players playing like they were old in the good <laughs> way. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, definitely cool. it looks like a lot of, you know, new talent going to, you know, or at least starting to get some uh, recognition or, you know, these kind of tournaments are really important for that, that sort of thing. So it's good that, that we're able to, you know, see some more beats and hopefully we will be able to continue it. Uh, we have another tournament that we talked about like last time with Nuki and which was the pit tournament. And that's going to be concluding tomorrow with uh, those guys, Nuki's team versus uh, Angry Titans. And that's going to be at, uh, let's say, 1 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, that, I think that's right. Yeah, yep. check that out. E some more EU Overwatch uh, if you guys are um, I mean, curious about it. And since we're kind of talking about two of the non-OWL, non-contenders, non-open division tournaments, I would just say, look, there, there's actually third-party tournaments still. Yeah. Obviously, contenders is going to get going pretty soon here, so that might not be the case uh, in the in the near future. Who knows? But. Uh, it's worth mentioning for sure that we're we've got two substantial third party tournaments. You've got OWL Wednesday through Saturday, but then like the rest of the days, you've got uh, plenty plenty more to watch. Mm -hmm. This is important. This is cool. definitely important for the ecosystem. So that's why we cover it on the show. <laughs> we spend like a good amount of time, which we we have already. We're um, kind of moving on into the developer update. We had uh, Jeff Kaplan obviously on a, in another. Great YouTube. CP probably hasn't seen this yet. Yeah. Oh yeah, you probably I actually have not seen it. Yeah. Yet. Oh, I mean, yeah, we, we can I, expect did it. Did it get released while it was midcast, or was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty much. Oh, it was like two hours ago. It's an odd. Yeah, I, I absolutely have not time. seen it, and I have a viable excuse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just basically talking about the new event. So they're having the the lunar event again, and this year it's the year of the dog. Uh, the big thing that came out of it was well, obviously we have some skins like usual, all, all that good stuff. But CTF is back like it was last year when they introduced C uh, Capture the Flag on L Lunar. But they basically added it to like Lijiang. It, it was like, you know, these like beginning of the, the, the spawn areas, right? They just added that little little area to each of the maps. And then they, they made like the, the flag, you know, in, in that kind of area that they, uh, at least what generally is like the initial area for, you know, some of those, uh, the, the control maps that we had. This time though, they actually made, they, they created a map that's in Thailand dedicated to uh, capture the flag, which means that it's going to be designed much better for capture the flag because the other ones were, you know, it's just more of like, okay, let's throw this format on top of what we currently have and let's just see what happens, you know. So um, they they're doing that for one, and then secondly, they're creating a competitive mode for it for four weeks. So that's pretty interesting. They did that for Lucio Ball too, right? So it's not like they haven't done this kind of thing in the past. But, you know, Capture the Flag is pretty different than Lucio Ball. Capture the Flag is definitely a format that we've seen competitively in, in uh, you know, F FPS ben, before. So. is Chandler right? Have we seen Capture the Flag in a competitive FPS? Never. It's never happened. <laughs> no. Never. I don't know what nostalgia, what nostalgia I'm thinking of as I call your name. Uh, yeah. The, my reaction was when Jeff Kaplan was talking, is like, New map set in Thailand. It's totally beautiful, and it's made specifically for CT. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, what ZP is referring to is both ZP and I played Tribes. Does I played Tribes one? He played Tribes two. But we played it. We both played those games for like ten years of our lives. So yeah. that game was entirely CTF. I love CTF as a game mode. I just don't know if Overwatch is the right game for it. That said, they did mention that they've made a couple of changes. They can't blink or or leap or wraith walk or any ability that has uh, mobility or invulnerability aspects to it. You can't do that when you have the flag. So that's a pretty substantial change. There's also a death, or sorry, an overtime mechanic. Uh, 
I hope it's good, but like I, I literally would have been like way more excited about a new deathmatch map um, than than this personally. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, know. I, I definitely support. I mean, th- I think the lunar event is supposed to be the CTF event now. You know, like so, um, you know, I, maybe they're just making this more of a an annual thing. And I don't know. I, I like to see Overwatch played in different different ways. So deathmatch. You know, I think they've been obviously pushing for the last, uh, you know, half year or so. And now, you know, we get to see CTF. Who knows? You know, like with these new changes. Before it was just, you know, like like Winston's would just be amazing. And, you know, like we'd, we'd see uh, just, you know, Tracers or um, what was it? It was like Sombra, right? Like they would just like literally teleport out of there, right? With the, the, the flag. I forget what it was. But we would see definitely heroes abusing all their mobility uh, uh ability just mobility abilities so now that they're they can't do that who knows what it's going to look like it's going to be pretty different than what it was before it'll be interesting to see but um all right well anyways let's kind of get to all this new all these uh news uh that that we have here for the last two weeks uh starting 20 items i I know exactly we we didn't get to owl yet so we got to move yeah um all right so starting off profits kind of like you know pretty old at this point but want to get y'all's thoughts on the whole profit thing flipping off the camera i'm I'm sure everybody's seen it in the overwatch league at this point or overwatch community at this point man that that kid's got a long finger man the first off but uh what do you think the the, do you think the penance penalty that's the first thing that comes to mind it's like i know he's a tall guy but he's got such a long finger he could be a wizard (laughs) (laughs) well anyways his you know his penalty which was i think he got fined two thousand dollars for that I think it was uh, only 1K, wasn't it? Was it 1K? It was 1K. No, it was 1K. Yeah, so, yeah it was 1K. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I was thinking something. Yeah, so 1K, no suspension or anything like that. Uh, so basically just kind of like a slap on the wrist. I mean, 1K is a lot of money, but it's it's still a slap on the wrist compared to something like that, you know, XQC went through. So did the penalty fit the crime here? What do you guys think? Yep. Uh, okay. I, I See, I want to say no, but the, at the same time, it's just like you need to set a standard. I mean... Even if it's not that bad of a thing, like you got to keep it going, or else you you don't want to show exceptions and stuff, and start to get leeway and stuff, like in football where they have like, oh, it's a miscatch, it's a the catching problem or whatever in football. It's oh, kind of like that, but oh, man, that's a bad. different, to a different degree. Oh man, uh, here's my point of view. As Dogman mentioned, you do have to set a standard, and it really is a slap on the wrist. I mean, look, you're talking about a league where the best players, of which Profit is, I would be shocked if he wasn't. But the best players are making six figures. They're living rent-free in L.A., which is definitely not something to, you know, hold your nose at. That's a significant chicken money. Like, I think 1K just to sort of be like, no, 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 don't do that. It's fine. You have to, you have to do something to a degree. I mean, I understand you didn't realize this on camera, but it doesn't really bug me. I think it's fine. I mean, how could you not know you're on camera? I mean, there's a camera right there. I mean, that's totally a camera. <laughs> Chan man, speaking as a fellow <laughs> self-aware gamer, thinking back to okay. my early twenties, where as I now enter I, my early thirties, I'm just saying I've been self-aware or not self-aware in situations that are are insane. The idea that someone wasn't thinking while they're on camera when they're way younger doesn't. Uh, I mean, me. sure. I mean, so <laughs> I, I hope he learns a lesson from it. It just it was it was a little for me. It just irked me a little bit. I said this like on uh, around the payload too. It's just that. I just don't think this would have happened in Apex. Like, and Overwatch League should be way more, like, in, in all the players' minds, Overwatch League should be even more sacred, I think, to than Apex. So it just really surprised me that, 
any player would be just so flippant, yeah. like you know, on stage with with a camera in front of them. But you know, I'm sure he'll learn his lesson. I'm sure he'll he won't do it ever again. But I heard he was uh, pretty shook over it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what like Jack, Jack was, was talking about it. But. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. So next thing, a couple things about, um, well, actually, a few things uh, in, ending on a big one. Uh, let's say player pickups. So we kind of started off uh, maybe at the end of last week hearing that um, uh, it, it was uh, 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 Mike right? or uh, uh, Has, Has, uh, Hasbro, right? He was talking about um, working on signing. Hasbro. A, Hasbro. God, I keep... <laughs> I'm just like off tonight, dude. Has, yeah. he's, uh, he's talking about working on signing AKM. And, and everybody was like, oh, wow, AKM, right, of course, because, um, uh, you know, AKM is obviously one of the, the uh, poster boys for people not picked up in Overwatch League, right? So, um, yeah, what do you guys think of that? You think AKM is, is something that they need right now, long-term, short-term? What do you think? Let me just say this. I think AKM is a great player. I'm happy he's in Overwatch League. I'm not really convinced that this is going to solve much of Dallas's problems. I I think Dallas, uh, even though I do think like how Taimu fits in with the zero pool is a bit weird. I don't think AKM brings enough. Uh, like, I think if you had, let's throw the PR stuff aside. If you were to bring someone like DeFran in there, that just skill-wise, it makes sense. Not that there's many people around there to begin with, but obviously you have PR stuff, whatever. Um, I just don't think AKM is the upgrade in that spot that turns Dallas from one and seven to seven and one. I don't know. I think ACAB's a great player, but maybe not the best landing place for him. Yeah, yeah. I think I have to I have to agree with ZP here. I think I think ACAM is a very solid player and he's pretty much just like an exact he's just I feel like he's more of a toned down version of Taimu a little bit. Like he's just kind of the same person and I think he besides a soldier what else? I mean, his, his McCree's pretty good, but his soldier is, like, definitely godlike, but besides that, like, there's not much room to... I feel like on other heroes, there's not much room to improve and to really expand out. He's kind of, to me, a soldier like, specialist. specialist. Yeah. yeah. Ben, what do you think? I mean, echoing the exact same sentiments, uh, if you're playing a cam, it means that either Taimu or, or Effect are sitting, right? Um yes. I mean, AKM, I think he's actually underrated on the projectile role, too. So who knows? Maybe he's been practicing for a, a Genji or, or a Farah. Uh, but even in that case, then Siegel's sitting. So it's just like, it seems like there's so much crossover in AKM's comfort zone and, and the comfort zone of every other DPS player on their team. Like he, if they picked up a, I would have been happier about like a Doomfist specialist being picked up or something, something off kilter like that, potentially. Um, like I, we've talked about it on the show. I think what they're really missing, in my opinion, is more of the off tank uh, specialist role. Um, so what does this mean? Time is going to be playing even more, uh, even more Roadhog, Roadhog just relegated yeah. to that type of thing. But no, like Mickey's been playing Ro Roadhog like all the time recently. I just don't know what they're going for. This is an incredibly flexible roster, and they're going to continue to be flexible. A lot of their players can play a lot of different roles, but what the hell are they specializing in moving forward? Uh, I, I would have much preferred to see an uh, off-tank specialist or even a main-tank specialist, I think, would have helped them a lot more. All right, so let's, let's talk Definitely. about... Well, go ahead, Ben's CP. Right. I was just going to say, Ben's right, is that tanking has been their weak point. I mean, obviously, XQC has its entire thing, but the bottom line is he's not available to play. And I don't really think Coco has been 
impressing too much, whether it be on his Winston, certainly on his Orisa. It's been lukewarm, and Mickey's problems have been well-documented. Dallas needs better tanking. I, ACAM's not a tank. I, I do want to add on that real quick before we move to the next topic. I, I think that um, a good... I mean, this is kind of a, a, a shill-out to, to one of my uh, teammates that I played with recently, which was Kraken Lacken. I think he'd be the, the perfect player, like you were saying, for an off-tank player, just to give a name out there, to throw somebody that should, I mean, directly give an improvement. I think he's pretty much the exact player that they would need because I think Mickey's Roodhog is mediocre, and I, I think comparatively to Kraken Lacken, his style is a lot more passive um, compar in comparison to Kraken Lacken that you saw today. Which was great, by the way, when Diva's play style was hold right click, protect people. <laughs> what do you do to hold the yeah, back line? It true. just it hasn't worked out for Mickey now that your diva needs to pick moments to blow people the hell up. Yeah. Wait, I actually have a question that I don't know if any of you guys know the answer to. I certainly don't. Does this off or does this uh mid season signing period allow for player transfers from team to team? Because yes. if it does, yeah. then we might see, then we might yeah. see some yeah. There's gonna be trades and all of trades this are possible. It's gonna be in the form of a trade. Okay, all all of this might make sense then, because we might see some shifts in in who's playing on the team. But the problem is though, Ben, is I mean, you know, we'll see how things work out. But I haven't heard any rumors or scuttlebutt of actual trades happening yet. I mean, I'm sure yeah. something will happen, but the issue is that. It, when teams are sort of shopping out for trades, the t players that have been getting shopped are player or generally players that teams look at go, eh, and then they look at uh, say yeah. contenders and they go, oh yeah, like th there's much more interest from teams in looking at the unpicked up talent than picking up talent that other teams are trying to get rid of because there's very few instances where a team has a great player but they don't have a use for that great player. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And it's probably cheaper to actually pick from contenders. I don't know how the negotiating would, would go there, but I, you know, somebody who's already got a contract in season one of o, OWL is probably going to be more expensive than picking somebody off of contenders. Um, so I, I guess one last question in terms of this whole Dallas thing. Like, who's making the decisions on all these things then, right? Like, I feel like a bunch of these things are PR-related. You know, like, XCC just being one, you know, being one pickup that a lot of people were wondering about. And then now, you know, we're seeing AKM here, too, which, like you guys said, there's a lot of overlap with AKM. Well, so, I, I can I can toss in on that, Chim. And I actually, um, before uh, Overwatch League started, I did try out for a position on their team for mm -hmm. uh, a developmental position, but which was removed later on um and uh, it's mainly from from what i could see it's like a mixture of kai kai and the team um making the decisions um mm -hmm. but i i may not know the full like i, I think it is partially because Astro did tweet about it right so i feel like maybe he has some part into yeah why they picked up a cam just because of all the uproar that he wasn't in overwatch league but mm -hmm. okay uh, moving on we uh, we have some f news from florida so florida ended up picking up Zappis, which, um, you know, again, like I was on Around the Payload, and we all, everybody on the, Around the Payload agreed that Zappis would be a great pickup for Florida. So I, I think that was great pickup for them. Uh, what do you, you guys think? Why, why did you agree on that? Because, okay, here's I, the thing. I think Zappis is a great player. Yeah. I think Florida needs bench depth. But Florida's strongest-looking position is already at Flux Tank and Manhattan. You, like Florida has so many holes that you go. Zappis we're gonna go play to everything though. Yeah, right? but Zappis can play. Yeah, Zappis. I don't. Is I don't think it's that easy. I, I really don't think it's that easy to say that though. I mean, I'm just saying if Zappis joined Fuel, 
it would make a lot more sense than Zappa's yeah, joining. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think, I mean, Florida needs a lot of pieces. So sure, a good I, step, is, I, I think, is Zappa's. I don't think it's bad, but I just think it's sort of the first pick out of that to sort of like, yeah. Okay, so could they, have used AKM? Well, the could they have used AKM instead of basically I, if they swapped, I, I, both teams swapped yes, players? To a, to a degree, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zappas is a great player, by the way. He should be in Odeville, just to make that part clear. It's just I'm not yeah. sure it's the right fit for. Well, I mean, for Florida, it's still not bad. They need depth, whatever. I mean, yeah. When uh, the last OWL roster signings were announced, the biggest names that I was shocked did not get signed were Adam, Fact Fiction, Zappas. In my opinion, the, those uh, maybe like throw Davin on the list too. Uh, at least, sorry, I'm, I'm only thinking about Western players, but yeah, he's like, in my opinion, one of the top three players that should have been in Overwatch League that wasn't. So it makes perfect sense. I think he can help this team because he's so flexible. I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on DPS. I mean, uh, yeah. he can really play anything. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And then uh, the, um, I think the big news that was uh, released today and our, our old friend Slasher ended up, uh, you know, getting a, a uh, you know, just a piece on ESPN, which was actually surprising too, uh, was that Gagari is joining the Shanghai Dragons. At least sources say that. It hasn't been confirmed yet, you know, just from the team itself. But um, herself and three others are going to be joining the Shanghai Dragon, which the Shanghai Dragons need a lot of help. So, you know, definitely picking up players, three Korean players in particular, I think are... Uh, it's definitely some news that I think a lot of fans are are uh, happy about. But, but Gaguri, of course, you know, is the you know the focus of all this because she's the first female that's going to be joining in the OWL. And there's been a lot of talk. I mean, there's been, there's been these rumblings for the last couple of days because she was on stream saying that she was going to join a foreign team, and she was actually talking about today saying she's been saying that for like a month now that she's going to be joining a a foreign team. So why is everybody making such a big deal now? Clearly, we're all making a big deal because it's the OWL. I mean, that's that's the reason, right? So, um, you know, I think that first and foremost, we're talking about her. You know, I know she has everybody's like has a problem with putting so much pressure on her, but it's news, guys. Like, we have to talk about Gary joining OWL. It's yes. a, it's a big deal. So, um, those of you that might not know her, she you know she was um, she made news a long time ago. Obviously, for uh, a lot of people, thought she was you know. Um, she she was uh was it um god what was she accused of originally just uh yeah, aimbotting yeah aimbotting and dudes who were getting uh right down. right right Basically. so and then she had the whole like televised you know like live play where she actually proved everybody that it was her she's a great zarya player i think we all know it's like documented how great of a zarya player she is so so um, i have an addition good. to that and mm -hmm. i did some research uh behind the scenes because these rumors of her going there have been around for a while behind the scenes this was not necessarily a super well-kept secret of course they are still rumors so who knows it's true everyone could be misled let me put that out there but mm -hmm. let's assume the rumors are true and all that's going on apparently she does play a very good diva as well which is important because one of the criticisms mm -hmm. right. go well why would you bring on a zarya main when you still need so much diva because uh, you know pure zarya main is not necessarily that useful uh Word is, is that she has leveled up a very strong diva as mm -hmm. well. So yeah. it's not just, I, I kind of want to spell this like, oh, they're just bringing out the Zarya maid. It's a, mm -hmm. Apparently she plays quite a bit more than Zarya now. So let's give her proper credit. Yeah, actually, I think she says her, her best 
hero is diva now <laughs> so yes that's gonna be so, please, so let's just no more say the oh the great zarya main she's good she's great at zarya i'm just saying what she's historically known for which was sure, you know sure. zarya uh, i'm just being mm-hmm. on the forefront of correcting the record yeah yeah cool cool <laughs> Uh, my first take is this is awesome. It's it's great to finally have a female in the top tier uh, of a major esports league. This mm-hmm. is one of the, if not the very first times this has ever happened. Uh, and I think it's great that she's made it on the merits of her skill. Now, now that I said all that, throw it completely out of the window. Oh, my boy. real feeling about this is I am just still depressed that... This is not the Mayans, uh, not Mayans, I mean, this is the not Mayans, the, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> Do you know something about a team coming up here? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm still depressed that this isn't the Miraculous Youngsters squad. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Because, okay. like, I would be happier if this happened on any other team. Because I still think that Shanghai Dragons should be a Chinese team. And I still mm-hmm. think that they should be picking up the better Chinese talent out there. So it's cool on one hand. I just wish it, it I wish Gigori had gone to pretty much any other team at this point. Because there's enough talent in China to like have a top tier team. And miraculous youngsters prove that. So I, I just wish they kept going that route personally. So there's another conflict here too. And here's the other thing. And this would be said of any non-Chinese player going to the Dragons. It is not specific to Gigori. Has nothing to do with Gigori. Would apply to any promising player going to the Dragons that doesn't speak Mandarin. Exactly, yeah. You, you, you're going to have to speak Mandarin, or they're going yeah. to have to meet you in the middle. And the problem is that the meeting in the middle is in English. That's going to make for a very rough communication structure. And I think it's going to be a hard environment for a non-Chinese player to succeed in, at least early on. And whatever the coaching staff is doing there is going to have to take every possible measure to bridge the language barrier because that's going to be intense to deal with early on. Well, she's not the yeah. only Korean player. I mean, there's going to be other Korean players oh, too, so it's going to be... Okay, but you're still, yeah. fixing, like, yeah. you're still mixed up to where you're going to have to... Unless you don't have enough players to run an all-Korean squad on the Dragons yet, as far mm-hmm. as we know. I don't think they can. I think they were capped from picking up another full six. And obviously, if you want to run new players, you can't run all Chinese players, so you're going to have to have intermixing of comms somewhere. Yeah. And that's a rough go mid-season. Yeah, what other... Well, do we know any other esports teams? I know one of my friends that's pretty involved in the Korean scene says that there's there's been teams that are Chinese and Korean mixed teams in the esports scene, but how successful have they really been in other esports? Do we know any outstanding names that have been successful in other esports titles? I mean, I, 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 I don't, I, I, I don't know. Recall, if, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't recall it's any just, like League of Legends teams or anything like that. That's yeah, been yeah. hugely split like that. But anyways, to kind of round out just who those other Korean players are, Fearless and Ado are going to be joining her, and then there's an an unknown fourth uh, Chinese player that's going to be uh, added to the Shanghai Dragon. Sources say, guys. Uh, so exciting news, and it's going to be good. And you know, the the common theme between all of these pickups or potential pickups that we talked about. Are, I wish they would have been on a different team. It's like, what's going on here? It's kind of funny how all these moves are, are being made. Right players, wrong players. <laughs> exactly. So perhaps is the uh, motto for yeah. some of this. Speaking of picking up players, Philly actually offered up an interesting type of event in terms of you know looking for their next player that they want to pick up. And they're holding... Uh, did they actually do it? They haven't done it yet, right? They're holding a no, local... this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. They're holding a local tournament. This where, is a crazy idea. Yeah, I like it. Anybody can go and uh, enter into this tournament. And, basically, and the whole Fusion team and staff will be there. 
Uh, let me just show you the tweet. And yeah, you get a chance to basically try out for the team. I mean, they didn't guarantee that they're going to be offering a contract to somebody at this event, but it, it's definitely, you know, they, they definitely say that, that it's, it's on the, the table. You know, like if you, this if you is, impress the heck out of them, I'm sure there'll be a couple more tryouts, you know, kind of thing. This is, su this is Super's opportunity to join the Philly team, man. They, <laughs> he, he's from Philly. Why doesn't he go to this tryout and join Philly University? Screw FSF shock, man. Come join Philly. Yeah. No, I don't, it's pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this is great. Even, I mean, literally, <laughs> even if this is just a PR stunt and they never play a single game, I still like this idea. Yeah, it's, me too. It's cool. Me too. I mean, did they... They have Zerg on their team too, right? On Philly University, right? The the I think so. mainly known for Widow players. So I mean, they can depending on how long because he's fourteen, right? So if they're probably looking at another really young player, so realistically they don't have to be that good. And this is kind of like the first take on molding a player into a professional player, right? Throughout like a long like time period. So it's it'll be like a long term project kind of to look at. I, I think it's a cool thing. The only thing I'd say here, this is really just nitpicking because overall I think it's pretty neat, is that I would like more specificity on pro contract. We live in an era where players should be getting good contracts in terms of salary, support, and all the rest. Just saying you're offering a contract. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure in this case it probably will be a decent contract, but I do think when you do this sort of a promotional prize almost in a sense, having some degree of you know, extra level going. And if the player is selected, it will be a salary of X with support Y. I, I would just feel a little bit better. But again, that's nitpicking. Overall, cool. Uh, okay, well, moving on, uh, let's talk about some, uh, I guess, unhappy players, I guess the uh, best way to put it. But Numlock recently came out and um, talked talked on the stream about just how unhappy he's been just being benched and um, you know he, him being a super competitive player uh, and not being the type that's just cool about making a paycheck and you know doing nothing basically um, you know he was kind of expressing that and, and there's a lot of there's a good number of players in the same situation so I figured it might be good to talk about that and. You know, like, what are these players supposed to do? You know, like, they can't really sell themselves because they're not even, like, Numlock in particular is not even scrimming. Like, he literally is just laddering every day, and that's that's all he's doing. And if there are other players like that, like, I don't know, Mendo maybe, and, and IDDQD, just to name a couple, uh, what are they to do? So... I think the best way of phrasing this, I'm going to pose a question directly to Dogman. And this is because I think this has been one of the most interesting conundrums I've really thought of in regards to OWL versus contenders. And people always have different thoughts. And it kind of depends on the situation. But Dogman, you have a uh, mystical monkey paw available to you. And here are your options. You can play in contenders and be a star. Or you can play an owl and not play. You could basically have a numlock situation. Looking at your long-term prospects, which situation do you choose and why? Um, so basically, I was going to touch on this earlier, so thank you for bringing it up, but I think, for me, it was more of a, of a choice that um, I actually thought of in the past couple of months, because before, um, or I guess coming up to contenders before any of this Academy stuff was released, and any of the new teams were, were coming out. Um, basically, I was looking at it because I had two underage players on my team. I have Nero and Dalton, which are both 16-year-old players that are probably some of the best in any players. So realistically, what I was looking at is, even though you, you mentioned being a star player, 
I would rather play on the best contenders team than play on a crappy um, Overwatch League team. I mean, it's easy to say not in that opportunity right now, but if the way the way I look at it is I could play for two years, I could hone my craft with probably the best contenders team with a really good contenders team, and then go into Overwatch League with some of the best players that I personally know. Um, so that would be my take on it. I don't think I would just ride the bench just because to you know be in Overwatch League. Well, let's let's just go like one step further here and say, which do you think is better for actually being an Overwatch League starter of the two options? Mm, I think probably for sure playing in contenders because we talked about earlier, right? The yeah. the Overwatch League contracts are like people like Numlock, like you you already said. These are people that are like meh. Uh, realistically, I mean, not to cra like crap on Numlock's skill. No, I mean it's but... fair. Numlock has you know had an up and down career, but he's never like he's never been a guy where he's like holy shit, the best tank in the game, or like in that conversation. He's sort of been like treading water. So I mean. Well, right, and if, if he was in contenders, like we were talking about, if he was in contenders and playing on the best, because I think he is one of the best or would be one of the best uh, tank main tank players in the West if he was to move into contenders. Because realistically, like we were talking about earlier, the, the talent pool is kind of drying up, whereas somebody like Numlock has a lot of experience and has that mechanical ability and has still a lot of a promise, in my opinion. So, I mean, well, it, you, you would be looked at a lot higher if you did well in contenders, in my opinion. So, but. you know, you guys are talking about it as if he was going into this situation knowing that this is going to happen. You know, so I, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably, you know, when they were trying out, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they were expecting to be playing or at least be scrimming, you know, being the backup, you know, in case somebody gets sick, which we've seen a lot. Like depth on these teams has been really important in the last few weeks. So being in a position where, oh nope, um, you just can't help us. So you're just gonna be literally doing nothing for us. And just sitting there on the bench, and you, you can't go to contenders. Like so, at this point, they're kind of in purgatory. They're like, what yeah, can they even do? Like, it, I will say, you are correct, Chan Man, but it's also a reality of professional sports. There's your Brian Scalabrini's of the NBA who literally get brought in only garbage time. And that's and the only reason why they get to come in in garbage time is because they play a, a more physical sport where there's a much higher risk of injury if you overexert yourself. Yeah, but you know so, what? But you know, Brian Scalabrini at least practices with the team and, you know, he plays probably on the second team that, you know, like, whatever, right? It doesn't even sound like Numlock's even getting a chance to do that. So Sure. I mean, I, I, I was think... A bit, would, yeah, I was a bit surprised to see that he's not even getting subbed in for any scrims ever. But, it's it's yeah. weird because, I mean, this is kind of insider information beforehand. I know that when Immortals wasn't doing that well of a team before Overwatch League, right? When they were doing pretty poorly in contenders, to be honest. I know that Numlocked, I'm pretty sure, was trying out during that time and had a lot better performances than Fate at the current moment. Like, they were playing yeah. a lot better because the communication was a lot more fluent and they could change things a lot quicker with him. But once Fate caught back up, it kind of uh, changed from the outside. But from his point of view, he still thinks he probably is a really good tank in comparison to Fate or definitely deserves that starting position. So it is it is a harder position on him. I mean, it's the risk he took, right, going into Overwatch League and competing against what is now known as one of the best tank players. It's just unfortunate. I mean, so it, this brings the question to, are the 12-man rosters too big then? I mean, it, like... It, this is going to continue happening. We're going to see, because the teams right now, it, it's starting to become, I mean, this might be an early 
uh, type of trend, but we are seeing them stabilize. Like they're not doing, you know, these kind of crazy what Dallas was doing for a while. And, you know, we're, we're just seeing a bunch of switch ups, like definitely between matches and maybe down the road in the long run where things are just fluid, it might get there. But, but in the short term, they're sticking to like six man rot, maybe seven, maybe eight. And that's it. Right. So if you have a 12 man roster, you got four people that probably aren't playing. Well, okay, I'm just going to say don't punish teams that do good swapping because you have teams that sign players that they either shouldn't have signed or don't have a good use for. That's silly. I, I think bigger rosters are fine. I think eventually it'd be good if we lived it. Like, I do think here's one thing you need is that if you want to encourage teams to sign a full 12 when, you know, ideally budget uh, gets to a point of these teams where they can do it, is that running in-house scrims uh, with your roster of 12 would potentially be very, very good yeah. in terms of practice and drilling. But one thing you have to do there, and this is kind of an ugly uh, word to players, but you also need to give teams the ability to cut players mid-season. So if suddenly you have a situation where you have 12 players at the start of the season, using a good amount of them for basically a practice squad, but then you see a situation where you want to sign a player from contenders, you can cut your weakest player and bring on the best one. Maybe you still have to play, pay their salary, that's fine, but you should be able to cut a player to make roster room so you can do that. Because I actually think the fact that once you hit the cap, that's it, actually discourages you from hitting the cap because then you can't actually sign someone if the opportunity would arise. Right. Yeah, I think that I think you're right about that. And, um, and I, I will say for the record, player rights and whatnot, if you cut a player, you still have to pay a salary. So there is an opportunity cost. Yeah, I mean, if you think about mainstream sports, there's all kinds of players on every team that don't hardly play. What they do get is at least an opportunity to like practice with the team usually. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the tougher part. Okay, well, moving on, maybe it's a bit of a little bit more fun thing that was actually a you know, kind of went viral social media wise, and it came from one of the OWL teams. Uh, you know, the San Francisco Shock actually posted a Baby Bay challenge, which uh, was was basically a picture of Baby Bay. Going, yeah, it was. Wait, does it have to be? It has to be the uh, left hand, right? Yeah, the Baby Bay challenge. And they posted a picture of Baby Bay, and then it just became like this black and white picture of Baby Bay doing basically doing this. And then it just became one of these things where like every time somebody would post a picture of themselves doing this, then they would donate to a, a youth-focused mental health organization in the San Francisco area. So yeah, I figured we'd all do it as a, like one shot here, and then I'll, I'll probably every, everybody do it. Everybody. Okay, oh, but yeah, only if this goes on Reddit. All right. Yes, yo, Wait, we're doing. Oh. Come on. Uh, the other. Uh, I know I'm doing it. I just wrong I'm wearing. Other one. Wrong arm. Wrong arm. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, I will so definitely get this. We took this, a toll. This, yeah, wait, that's right. That's right. No, that's really cool. I mean, it, you know, this is the kind of thing that you know the teams need to do more. We talked about the fusion, right? And now we got you know San Francisco Shock doing this sort of thing, which it's not easy getting stuff viral. You know what I mean? So when you're you're, you're able to do that, that's really impressive. I will say some some of the Overwatch League teams have really good social media. Some have <laughs> mediocre social media. Some yeah. not so good. SF Shock has been hit or miss. So this is probably like the best, most viral campaign any team has done yet. So as a yeah. as a marketing guy, uh, I'm impressed. A broken clock. Uh, I mean, it's a great thing they're doing. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I, I'm sorry. Jeez. Look, I'm sorry. Say, if you objectively look at Shock slash NRG, they 
they don't have a great social media history. I didn't yet. say it. You said it. I don't know. No, I, I'm, I'm saying it. I, I have no reason not to say this. It is objectively true. They Their social media team screws up a lot, <laughs> but they didn't screw up this one. So I want to give them credit. Well done. Stop screwing up. <laughs> End of topic. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, moving on. A uh, bit of actually sad news is that um, – our good friend Kiki, or Zovia, for those of you that might not or know her from her, her tag, uh, is announcing she's leaving Blizzard, which uh, I think shocked a lot of people just because, you know, Kiki's been, I mean, from a community standpoint, she's been one of the most influential, if not mo most influential person in terms of just all of us and and uh, really helping develop this community that we have, this great community that we have in, in the Overwatch space. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, she's, she's good friends with all of us, right? So any initial thoughts? It's crazy to me. I mean, uh, personal story time. Uh, the first time at Kiki was before I even played Overwatch, before I had a chance to... Actually, that's not true. I probably played a friend's house with a Turtle Access, but before it was out in public beta. Mm -hmm. And... It was at a Heroes of the Storm event uh, where back at that time I was a Heroes of the Storm streamer and you know, I mentioned my interest in doing streaming or broadcasting for Overwatch and she was part of the outreach team that was talking to streamers from other games, talking to uh, you know your lyrics of the world and basically just making the rounds and that was the first time I met Kiki and you know she was very nice, uh, very much saying like, yeah, you know, we'd love to have extra people at Overwatch, so on and so forth. And I didn't realize at the time that I would be seeing Kiki at literally every Overwatch <laughs> event I would ever do, or the fact that she would just be such an awesome presence to have in that time. So for someone like that, that has basically been there for me, where, you know, at any Overwatch thing I've ever done, it's really surreal to realize that going into the future, I'm not going to see her just show up at the various different Overwatch events, so that she is moving on. It's actually crazy, mm -hmm. and I don't think it's entirely processed yet, but... I think uh, the game as a whole is definitely going to miss her. And I don't think she's very easily replaceable or really replaceable at all with what she did, all the people she knew, and all the contacts she grew over time. Uh, you're going to need three or four people to even sort of approximate what Kiki did as a one-woman job. Yeah, absolutely. You can't overstate. You absolutely cannot overstate how influential and important to Overwatch's esports community Kiki has been. Uh, she's been there since day one. She's one of the most responsive per people I've ever worked with. You you send her a message, you get a response back within minutes, most of the time, almost all the time. Uh, she's really close friends with every player, every caster, all of us here, uh, and she's going to be really deeply missed. Uh, it was a huge shock to hear that she's uh, going to be leaving the team uh, and uh, it's also just for personal reasons. She's uh, she's going to be taking some time off. She's not really looking for another job in esports, at least not anytime soon. So yeah, it's it's a it's a sad sad thing for us, uh, especially this group here. We've we've all had a lot of personal one on one FaceTime with her and uh, throughout the last two years. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll be missing you, Kiki. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I haven't had too much contact with just to, to cap it off. Um, but from what I what I have talked to her and when, when she has helped me out but behind the scenes when I was playing contenders with Kangarna, she was, I mean, she does so much stuff for, for Blizzard with Overwatch. I mean, you guys mentioned yourself, but she actually 
is I don't know how much micromanaging she does. She just controls everything at the same time. And like you said, she responds in minutes. So, I mean, I was surprised with how much contact I got with her and how much work that I could potentially have gotten with her. So, I mean, she's a very awesome person and it's going to be hard to fill her role, I think. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll finish things off by saying that, um, I mean, there's, there's like Kiki as the community manager. And by the way, she, she is the Overwatch or she was the Overwatch global community manager. And then she, when, when OWL launched, she became the, uh, Overwatch league global, uh, community manager for those of you wondering what her title was. Uh, but you know, I got Kiki, the friend and Kiki obviously as the community manager and, and Kiki as the friend, obviously is going to continue on even when, you know, just not being at Blizzard or whatever. And I've, you know, I've, I kind of knew her in Starcraft too, but didn't really get to like really, really meet and meet and work with her until Overwatch. Uh, so, you know, it's been awesome the last couple of years, really getting to know her and just, you know, she's an awesome person. Everybody that's met her, you know, will, will, uh, account for that. But as a community manager, there's no better community manager in esports. And, you know, I remember when Molly, you know, who was community manager at, um, for Hearthstone was just getting like, just taking that job for the first time. And now she's going to be moving over to Overwatch. You know, I was telling Molly that you should just like, you should talk to Kiki, like try to, try to, you know, shadow her, you know, just like learn some things for Kiki because she's literally the best community manager like you can ever find for a, a game. And, you know, Blizzard's lucky to have had her. You know, she knows everybody. And I'm not talking about just knowing everybody. She's, she goes and like really gets to know everybody in the community and, you know, spends time with everybody. And that is so hard to do. Like it's like having time to actually do that. It's okay. really, I really difficult. Note here too, and I think this is important to reference here, and it's a good lesson on corporate politics. I think as well for people who you know maybe haven't got into uh, you know higher up corporate structures, but titles are bullshit. She had <laughs> yeah. the title of community yeah. manager, and she missed oh, her main responsibilities, but she was easily top five and very likely top three just most important people in overwatch period absolutely especially yeah. well, on the yeah. esports side yeah. and you sort of go like oh can be a bad she's like no kiki had influence and everything she worked on everything she was one of the hardest workers around in the overwatch space she i, I can't understate just how much she touched well beyond the scope of her job title. So it's just be like, oh, it's just a community manager. No, she she did everything. And yep. like full stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah, absolutely will be missed. And you know, hopefully you can follow it was a Kiki Discover. I forget what it is, the Instagram. I have to go look at it. But she has her Instagram account still up. So definitely go check out uh her Instagram and and keep following and are following her on all her adventures and, and whatnot. Uh, okay, well, let's get an OWL. Man, it took us like an hour and a half just to get to OWL, but we're not going to cover the, I guess, weeks three and four matches too in-depthly. Uh, but just to kind of summarize it, we saw tons of upsets in, in week three. Uh, it kind of settled back down in week four, but, you know, week three was crazy. Philly upset in New York. You know, it was obviously New York's first loss. And then New York rebounded and beat Seoul, so giving Seoul their first loss. Um, you know, I, I don't know... If, what you guys think about that? Boston obviously upset London too. So generally speaking, what do you guys think of just you know all the Koreans losing in in week three? Uh, is it just a blip, or do you think that you know it's always been this close? It's just a matter of time. Matter of time, a and b. I just want to note this because I, I brought it up and got a lot of shit for it publicly and saying that 
you know, I wasn't really sure if Valiant was top four. I thought they're, you know, they were still in the pack and they had a lot to prove. And some of the teams they beat uh, it didn't really mean too much. Well, Valiant dropped off and Houston and Boston are looking pretty darn good. So, yeah, there. I think yeah, Valiant I mean, can still come up back up, but Valiant was way overrated the last time we did the show. That's all. I okay. I can I can agree definitely to some some degree when you when you look at Valiant, um, I, I think you expect a lot out of them, which is why I think the community kind of gave you so much feedback on it was because there was a lot expected out of like star names like Agilities in my opinion would be one of the best Genjis I think up there I think I personally before uh, Overwatch League I put him above Shadowburn just based off how my playstyle reacted to his. Um, but unfortunately, when, whenever they look really good and are starting to do well, they seem to just always drop off. I mean, that's just kind of like the Immortals or now LA Valiant sort of way, I guess. It's just, just expect a lot, and then they'd flop. But, yeah. um, but, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, I was going to say on the, on the upsets, uh, to move on to, to Philly and NYXL, I think that um, if, if I go into specifics, when, I, when we're talking about NYXL and, and Philly, I think that Philly's playstyle just generally counters uh, NYXLs, and I think that a lot of this does come down to playstyle counters, um, just because of the fact that Philly Cart with Carpe and Shadowburn, they both heavily focus on going after backline. So the fact that NYXL plays around Jejonex so much, you can, I feel like, overwhelm him like Philly did kind of with Carpe and Shadowburn. Yes, Carpe, in my opinion, doesn't have the best movement, but has very good um, tracer mechanics, and especially if you have a Winston like Fraggy just jumping in and dying every time. I mean, it's gonna screw over <laughs> NYXL's like tactics. God. I mean, uh, no, 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 yes, no, 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 it's true. No, I agree. Like, he's Fraggy, saying that in the best to, way, he though. looks like a Viking, yeah. he fights like a Viking. I, I yep. get it, but it's but good. That's his I, job. I really yeah. Play, here. That is, yeah, it's like that. It's yeah. a good play well style, it's a good play style. Because we well, on my on my team with Panker, uh, we actually had like yes, Panker, Panker. Like this is kind of off to tier two teams, but specifically how I feel like you should play dive is like how Philly's been playing, yeah. where you you send your Winston in deep and you have good target focus with your Winston because a lot of these two passive Western Winstons, like most of the NA Winstons, are way too passive and realistically in the current meta won't work against a team like New York Excelsiors. Well, they're they seem to be restraining Fraggy though. Like with you yeah. know that second game, it's just like oh man, they're you know they they obviously took Poco out of, of the mix too. So it's just kind of like oh man, I kind of like this crazy aggressive like fusion. But uh, you know, it just seems to be at least the game plan for them is to kind of rein them in a little bit. Um, but uh, Shadowburn, man, like, is there anybody that gets more kills per ultimate than Shadowburn? I mean that. It's kind of it's Dude. pretty amazing watching him play Genji, and we've said that forever now, but mm. it just keeps coming back up. Poco uh, on Diva? Question mark. But yeah, I love watching Shadowburn play. Oh I my! I, I feel like God. Shadowburn's general mechanics are really good with the shurikens. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I, I can see. I can see your point with his blades, uh, but at the same time, like I, I feel like I don't know. He's up there with like Poco. I feel like. Besides, I mean, to talk on Poco's regard, I don't think that the Diva Bombs, yes, he puts a lot of work into them, but I feel like there's also, you need to look at the, the downsides of it too, where he's like always getting out of position, forcing yeah. himself to not be able to help support his team for, I don't know, two, two, two to four seconds trying to set up that Diva Bomb and then... I get I it. Just, I get, I'm just talking well, about it. It's easy spectator. to it's easy to counter. No, as I understand. I understand. You know, it's like a freaking because otherwise I'd rip into Shadowburn too. But I mean, like, yeah. I don't want to well, do one that. One thing I notice about Shadowburn when he does have big blades is that oftentimes it's not just the blade. Is that he's getting mileage off his very good raw mechanics, mm -hmm. sort of yeah. mm -hmm. put himself in situations mm -hmm. where the blade is sort of the finisher on top. 
and it's not just the blade doing the work. And I mean, yeah. you know, maybe this I'm just arguing semantics at that point, but you know, yeah, his movement is like crazy. I mean, it's just uh, fluid watching him. It's, it's there's something I think about the it. thing that that uh separates Shadowburn from other Genjis wait, is how wait, restrained... what just happened to your voice, dude. You're like, you're like <laughs> chocolate rain, you're chocolate rain, and all that. He's totally chocolate raining us, dude. I can't hear you now, Ben. You're like muted. You're that muted. Was great. You're muted. I don't know what happened to your mic. But what the hell was that? Was like, well, I can't even do it. It's too late in the night for me to do it. In the I morning, I can do it. Sticks gold paper. Nope. No, we can't hear you. Darth Vader joined us in the call. We can't hear you. You might have to restart Discord or something. I don't know. But, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't good. sure if it was me too, or he was. He was just no, no, no. off there. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, yeah moving on. Just a, a week four definitely stabilized quite a bit more. Uh, you know, we. I think the biggest uh, the uh, the biggest match that we saw was was it um, Houston versus Seoul. Obviously, was a really good yes. one. Uh, I mean, one of the themes too was really just sickness, right? Like Linkser was out both of the Houston games, which is a little bit of a bummer. But you know, we got a chance to see. You know, clockwork and just kind of see how he you know rebounded from just really getting not much practice with the team you know to have to play some of these top teams so i want to touch on this a little bit earlier today look no one is going to say that clockwork is as good as Linkser, but houston with clockwork still brought that to i know five game set I think some of the crazy hate on clockwork should probably lessen a bit where even if it's true and it likely is that Houston would have taken that with Linkser, you never know. There's multiple ways of game breaks down. If clockwork were not playing at a reasonably high level, that would have been a domination by soul layoff just a little. That's yeah. All. Yeah. I mean, I, Personally, I do believe that they would have beaten Seoul probably three. They would have beaten Seoul three one actually in my in my mind. But sure. Clockwork played great, you know. Just given the situation, even he had moments too, you know. Definitely moments where he didn't play well, but definitely there were moments where he actually, you know, was able to, you know, hold just hold up long enough, or even just pull out some some key kills there. Um, but yeah, them bringing them to the fifth game, not only the fifth game, they brought them to like the third game in the control like um, yeah, it, it was map too, very which much. Was, uh, it was on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we can hear yeah. you now. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened. Turn now. back time. <laughs> I, I have to completely agree. Like, people love shitting on Clockwork, and I, I don't think he's the best hit scan or best DPS in the league, but he actually played surprisingly well. So, I don't know. I agree. I want to I wanna point out that I, I think I was one of the people that did underrate Houston coming into Overwatch League. Um, but I, I think they have proven to me that they are a very solid team. However, I do. To, to just phrase that first, I do think that Seoul Dynasty and maybe, I, I don't know if the other Korean teams have felt it just yet, but I don't think they're, I think they're starting to fall off a little bit. I don't think mm -hmm. that they're doing yeah. as well as they did at the beginning. I mean, we are seeing it as of last week what, that they are, but I think that um, based off what I've seen behind the scenes with other teams and just scrims, I think that Seoul Dynasty is probably one of the worst Korean teams right now just based off of pure scrim results. I mean, that's just not something that is like directly relevant towards like the actual matches themselves but i think it does mean something that it's starting to catch up to them a little bit well it's pretty clear i mean when you sit jayong i mean that that's 
like a very huge step. Like I, there's not very many people that would have guessed that he would be benched at any time. So the fact that they sat him for even like their first match, that was, that was shocking. And it just kind of told you that they think that there are things that they need to, you know, shake up, you know, or they need to try some things. I don't know exactly what they were, you know, what their mentality was in that first match last this past week, but uh, definitely against Houston, he was back. Um, but like you said, I, I think Houston is a top three team. They might not make the playoffs, but they are a top three team right now in Overwatch League. And I was hoping that was going to be the match. You know, like they just come out and have that huge moment because, you know, Houston still, you know, hasn't had that breakout win, even though they're crushing all the teams that they should be beating now. They still haven't beaten one of, the, one of those top three Korean teams. So, so still waiting for that. But it's it's on, like, it's probably the next match, next time they play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat London, to be honest. like I don't knows? think, I mean, obviously it'd be huge if they beat London. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But I think if you're a fan of Houston, you're not. London is sort of, that's a bonus. You beat London, bonus. The big matchup, which I think might be match of the week coming up, is going to be Houston versus Boston because that is your four versus five. Mm-hmm. That's where who knows how it's going to pan out. I personally think Houston has a bit of an edge there, but Boston has been continually surprising. It, it hurts CP to say that, by the way. I know it hurts CP to say Boston. No, no, it really <laughs> does. I don't care. Like, look, obviously with Boston, it's a case where on paper they looked objectively bad on paper. I think people who thought they looked objectively bad on paper going to season had very reasonable reasons to think that. Uh, Many reasons. But they're playing well now. I appreciate good Overwatch, and I don't really care. I want to see a good series between Houston and Boston. I mean, look, if the one thing for me, Chan Man, is that I will make my opinions based on the objective info I have yeah. in front of me. But as soon as I get extra info, I will change. And a good point of that is simply good look man. at Zachary Look at Zachary the beat invitation. Like, look, when I saw Zachary was on FU, I was ready to just be like, I don't know why you put Zachary to team with who are you? This seems like the biggest skill disparity ever. I harp on this because that's how I was going to go into it. And then Zachary came out and played super well, which changes the narrative. You can change the narrative even when people are using the past as a benchmark by not playing to the expectations that the past would lead you to believe. That's a part of being objective and being good, especially in the commentary space. So I'm happy to see Boston doing well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everyone, I think everyone should be. It's, it's been sick. Yeah. Yeah. On, on their team specifically, I know that Stryker is definitely, I mean, to just mm-hmm. talk about specific players, Stryker is definitely a star player and one of the better tracers in overwatch league and the entire world Mm -hmm. and i think specifically they kind of lucked out with picking him up because i do think that dream is a great player don't get me wrong but he definitely plays more of like a i don't know kind of like a clockwork type of role but on a on a flex dps sort of position where he's playing that commutative and more team oriented play style that doesn't result in him getting big plays but rather supports the team as a whole which is really what Overwatch is turning into. I mean, obviously now is, but I don't think that many people have caught on to that. There, people are still focusing on individual players, which I understand it's the audience, but at the same time, this is such a team-oriented game now that it's more like a MOBA than it is an yeah. FPS now. No, I agree with that. I mean, I think that's one of the big attributes of, of Houston and their rise is that, I mean, they had that one bad week, right? Or the first week or where they had a bad week and then they came out saying they, they changed some things and indeed they did, right? Um, but you see that you see that with the top teams right now, they are playing 
you know, as a co- cohesive collective unit, still have moments where somebody will, will, you know, have starring roles, you know, like, like Jake will go off and John Carrey, you know, like there's still moments where individuals like make huge impacts, but it's very clear that they're, they, they don't make mistakes, you know, those positioning type of mistakes where people are just caught way the fuck out, you know, where they should be. Like you don't see those type of mistakes from, from the top teams right now. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I, I think I totally agree with you and that, that's from that stance. What do you think about Fuel versus Dragons <laughs> on Wednesday? First match of this this week five. What do you guys think? I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be the biggest meme ever if Fuel loses the Dragons. I think this is a case where Dragons, of course, have had a very rough start to the season. They've hit cult hero status of please Dragons win. Fuel has because of all the hype going into them. They haven't quite hit that level of sympathy. So I think the public is going to be very against Fuel here and be collectively losing their goddamn minds if Dragons <laughs> goes up a map, especially if it happens at the beginning. It's going to be hilarious if it happens. It very well could happen oh, with Dragons man. showing signs of life in recent times. I know. They've been Dallas playing better recently. They really have. Yeah. So, so if- I mean, I think it's just sort of the cherry on top of a crap stage one for Dallas Fuel if they lose to Shanghai. Yikes. Yeah, that would be bad. If Fuel loses this, we're going to see another one of those It's a Hard Knock Life meme videos that's like, (laughs) it shows them like with the scoreline, it's like, dun, 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 it's a hard knock, like that Uh, song. But it's... No, no, no. Or you could do the drop it thing where it was like... Yeah, or that. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be... This is going to... You just do the thing where you see the Fuel losses just like counting up. It's just like... This is the exact situation. You see his face like spinning in circles at one point. Like, I don't know. You should just quit casting and make meme videos <laughs> you guys yeah, the, the funny thing is Ben you've seen me in all my various forums you know I am capable of memeing the shit out of things like <laughs> who knows maybe just, you're the one making those meme videos we don't oh sh- I, oh, I actually have all kidding. the time in the world to do that Ben oh, alright no. so predictions this is the last week right so playoffs for stage one what do you guys think so the way the playoffs work is you have your number one seeded team and then the second and third place teams play each other to see who plays against the number one team is how I believe yeah. I under I yeah, believe there's I only three teams that make it. Yeah. I mean, let's be real, like Just look at the standards. three Korean teams, man. Like I don't know. They're in good position, but they they could still lose it. Like if Seoul gets us Oh, let's I, figure this out. Yeah. So Seoul plays um if Seoul loses one time, they're definitely you know, like they, they they can lose their spot. So they Should play the shock now? and they so, play the valiant. Mm, yeah, I I guess it depends. Like as we kind of mentioned earlier in the show, Valiant have this Jekyll Hyde thing going on, but it's going to require a really big Soul dip and a crazy Valiant spike in my yeah. mind to make Valiant win that matchup. But that's probably the only way that you have a scenario where Soul. Well, it's not even possible. Oh, yeah. So Valiant another five three. So yeah, that would boost Valiant way up. Actually, Maybe. I think that, I think London has a chance of being knocked out too. If they lose both of theirs, and mm. let's just say the Outlaws win two, and yeah, I mean, there's an outside chance of that happening too, where London could get knocked off from first place to actually fourth place. That'd be crazy. Uh- I know. I think I think the only Korean team I see falling off right now is definitely Seoul. Um, I, I definitely see maybe like a London Spitfire, New York, Houston Outlaws, and Uprising 
playoffs. I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. The standing page isn't working for me. I don't know why. I, I think the wild card for Outlaws Boston is just how healthy is Link Zero, though. The way the flu works, I, I don't think he's going to be feeling 100% healthy, but probably good enough to play. And luckily for the Outlaws, that's taking place on Saturday. So he has the full week to recover as opposed to that being a Wednesday. So we'll see. I, mean, I think the Outlaws have a slight edge over Boston, but that could. I mean, you're talking about Boston. Right. They have to be, they still have to beat London. On Friday or well, okay, Thursday, hang on. who is Boston going up? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think it yeah. ma- doesn't matter play. though against Boston because if they lose against Boston, they're not going to be in, and if they beat Boston, I think they have a tiebreaker. So, regardless of what Boston does earlier in the week, oh, it looks like that's Houston. Houston Spitfires, Houston London. That like I don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the way it works, I guess, because okay, let's look at the Valiant here. Let's figure this out. Valiant they should win <laughs> against Dragons. They will probably lose against Seoul. That's the other five three team. And then you have Fusion. Fusion is going against uh, Mayhem. Okay, W. <laughs> Fusion going. Against Boston. Yeah, yeah, I give you that one. Actually, Fusion yeah, Boston is a hype as fuck match. Yeah, Fusion that. Boston. Fusion could be a bit in control of their own destiny here as well, and that's up a situation where Boston plays spoiler to Houston. It's whichever those those five and three teams can win out, you know, yeah. and then there's a chance that either Seoul loses once or London loses twice. I think New York's pretty. I mean, New York cannot lose to Florida, so New York's pretty much, a, a, you know, a shoe in. The huh. most likely scenario, especially if Valiant doesn't shock Seoul in some ways, still look at all the matchups. Mm. The so, final deciding matchup for spot four being Outlaws Boston, which is going to make that very exciting because if you think about it. All those matches get played on Saturday. If you don't know how to read the website yeah. here, it actually is a little bit confusing at Sage Hotel match because on Saturday, instead of ending at three matches, it's a full five sets. So they go directly from Mayhem Fusion into the uh, probably 1-4 and then into 2-3. Or, or wait, is that even right? That Now I'm, I've confused myself because it's not a bracket. You just have two title matches. It's basically two versus three. Winner of that plays like number one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Is that on Saturday? That's on Saturday. Oh yeah. My God. See what Saturday. I mean? Holy you didn't even read it properly. Well, I, that's crazy. Oh my yeah. God. Ah. Okay. That that's gonna be wild. So there's a team that could play three times on on Saturday. Okay. Yes. No. I I kind of. Uh, I really like this day. interesting concept of having many many playoffs uh, with the phase system, but I kind of wish they did it on like Sunday and like made yeah. it a big special, like extra special show. Yeah. The way it's scheduled now is just going to kind of feel like it's well, they, tacked. They should have just had, they should have had one week. That's just basically playoff like finals. Yeah. You know, that's don't what do I, a full week and then skip be, that. Yeah. You know, all the other teams have a, have a week off basically. And then they had the same issue in counter-strike where there was a SK uh, had to play, or there was a team that had to play a quarterfinals match on the same day that they had their semifinals match towards the later half of the day. And that looks like what's going to happen to either or both probably New York Excelsior and Spitfire where they're playing at 2 p.m. It's crazy. And then they have to play at the end of the day. Well, at least they're playing first. No, I mean, that's not too bad. So here's a question for you. Yeah. If New, so New York might control the destiny of, say, like the Outlaws or, or just one of those five and three teams, do you think they'll want to play London in the playoffs? Or do you think they'll... They'll want to play, you know, like Houston. That that could be interesting if they just throw, basically. Oh, so hang on, hang on. Arrow had an addendum here. Aram, the coach of the Fusion University, uh, coach of FU is the official title. <laughs> and uh, he said, FU coach, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, he says, quote, I can't message in the Twitch channel, 
But OWL put a, out a video saying that there's 43 million playoff scenarios. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what? That's probably a, what? you know that's probably the same in traditional sports as well. But wait, 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 wait. 40, 43 like at the start of the season, right? Not right this second. No way there's 43 Come on. We could yeah. do math right now probably with right the amount of situations. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was going to say 43 million is like not even close. It's like ridiculous. Okay. 43 million like from the start of the season. Gotcha. Okay. Well, anyways, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be definitely watch it. Uh, you know, if you haven't been watching, definitely watch it. You're getting credits too, you know, when you watch. So make sure, make sure you're on the Twitch channel though, guys. Because I never get credit on the Overwatch League channel, and I always do that for some reason. Uh, so, yeah, so make sure you're on the Twitch. For the tokens. Yeah, for the tokens. And um, But it's going to be a, a photo finish. And um, so the winner of the, the playoffs gets 125000 right? Second get anything? That's, it's winner take all? Is that's that 100, it's 100K and then 25K for second. Oh, Hang on, we have an update. Yeah. We have an update to quick maths here. Uh, also oh, coming from Fusion, this time from Elk saying, "Quote: If you're counting all possible map wins oh, and losses oh, and draw scenarios, it's not unreasonable for that many options." Okay. Okay. Oh, 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 all right. All right. Okay. This, 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 I, I, okay. I'm too tired. To even I, I think so, man. Before. I think we're gonna have to call I'm this show very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know, we've actually gone pretty long, so why don't we why don't we wrap up? It's been a great episode, Dog Man. A lot of fun Thanks having you having on, me. man. Yeah, it's been, this been is great. great. Should have you on again sometime. But you want to do some shout outs before you take off? I don't really have too many shout outs besides to my my teammates in Toronto, which was uh, you know, Nero, Dalton, uh Moth, Panker, uh what is mm -hmm. it? I can't crack and lacking. I can't believe I forgot him. I literally just shouted him out earlier. How in the do game. you forget that name? I don't. I don't know, man. He actually had to change it to Kraken. I'm pretty sure. So he's still in the mix of rebranding. Now he's or something. just a sea monster. Okay. Now he's just a sea monster. But they're all. All my former teammates are. I'm pretty sure going to be in contenders, like you saw on Over.gg released an article about it. So I'm pretty excited uh, for contenders coming up. But yeah, they shout out to you, Chain man. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I've been a fan for a long time, so I'm glad to finally be on. Yeah, get that ultimate advantage back up, dude. Oh no! There's Don't never bring enough it up. podcast. It's uh, come on. There's it's never enough podcast. It's be a, a freaking play. Leave it on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, uh, ZP, shout outs. Eh. <laughs> Follow on Twitter. I, I, There's I, a I video that you did. Yeah. I saw a video with you in it on there the Outlaws channel. Yeah, you should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, I don't want to. I don't, I, I don't want to. I, I spent the entire day showing about Soylent. I spent the entire day showing about Soylent. You might be like, yeah, let me show all these other things. I, my brain is fried right now. But yeah, mm -hmm. there's a cool out video. Applause, you can check it out. Uh, follow my Twitter. Follow Ben because I don't know. Oh my God, is. that was the most half-assed cheat. <laughs> I know it was. It's on purpose. Uh, it is on purpose. Why is he doing outlaw videos? Hmm. Uh, ben. <laughs> Any shoutouts? Uh, make sure to tune in tomorrow morning for the Overwatch Pit Finals. Uh, it's yes. EU teams. Go watch that. It's the last week of the phase, so make sure that you go watch the grand finals of this phase one of Overwatch League. Very soon, phase two is coming, which means nerf 
Mercy Nerf will be in the next uh, in the next season of Overwatch League, which is pretty cool and fun. Um, and most importantly, if they somehow rebuffer, if uh, somehow there's insanity in Blizzard, no they can't put the rebuffed Mercy back in until stage three. Oh, there you go. Mm, yes, yeah. nice. Uh, shit, I, I'm I, my shadow is just as bad as ZP's. God damn. All right, that uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> At least I was intentionally wow. being bad. You don't even wow. have an excuse. Okay, let me make up for the rest. I'll thank the three of you guys for for doing the show tonight. Everybody for watching, staying up late with us. And uh, just, you know, all the folks that always support the show. You can find the VODs at youtube.com slash chainmanv. Find us on iTunes and uh, Google Play at SoundCloud as uh, soundcloud.com slash chainmanv as always. And if you like the show, leave us a five-star review because it really helps when people are looking up Overwatch uh, podcasts when they're trying to find awesome podcasts. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it, guys, for this week. Uh, hopefully, I don't know, we'll see if we're, we're back next week or not. But if we're not... Then we'll see you when we see you. But uh, until then, for Dogman, ZP, Fishsticks, and myself, Champion B, we'll see you next week. Or whenever. <laughs> or whenever. Yes. Schedule. Yeah. yeah.